Welcome to the Thanks Therapy Podcast. Before we start, if you're in crisis or need urgent support, please Google the Samaritans and the country in which you live. Help can be found online and via the phone. We also put local and national helpline numbers and links in the show notes and on social media. Don't suffer alone. Things can and will get better. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Hannah Lydon. And I am Dr. Emma Lydon. And this is our Therapy Appreciation Podcast, Thanks Therapy. Where we hope to demystify, destigmatize, and encourage the appreciation of good and useful therapy. Thanks Therapy! Thanks Therapy! And this is part two of our holiday special and we are losing our minds at this point. We usually write the introduction down and we didn't this time because we've done nearly 20 of these and we thought we'd be fine. Yeah. But it turns out that we need to write it down each time. Yeah, because it's it's a very specific set of words, whereas the rest of our stuff is just rough guidelines that we can choose to adhere to or not. Use or don't. Yeah. So sorry about that. No, that's fine. We're back. We're back in the room. Back in the room. Okay, so welcome back to the stress fest that is talking about the holidays. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit concerned, Hannah, that this will just make people hate the holidays and that is not my intention. No, no. So I wanted to start with some cute stuff about our family holidays. Okay, please. Yeah. So we started tradition a few years ago, although we have it since like become defunct. Yeah, why actually? Well, stuff happened yeah, and we life. didn't feel much like writing poems, but basically we had a poetry competition. It went yes. on for two or three years and it was a brilliant focus for us all to be, have you got your poem done? Have you got yes. your poem done and stuff like that? It's a bit of a thing in our family to write poems funny or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And everybody's really good at it, seems. Yes. Like we're a talented bunch. Um, so we're going to share a couple with you. Now, I thought I had everybody's. I thought I had Emma Hannah's. is the archivist and traditionalist of the family, so she keeps all this stuff. Yes, because ever, we're I have otherwise lost yours. messy bitches. I don't know that mine was that good. So I think it was beautiful. But So I've lost Hannah's. Um, so she is going to read her mum's, and I'm going to read one of mine. So... Should I give context about the kind give of person context, my mom is? Give context, yeah. So my mum is a kind of a Spike Milligan-esque, <laughs> off-the-wall comic genius who does not know how funny she is. And sometimes she will say things that I have never heard anyone use comedy in such a way. Yeah, she's hilarious. And this poem is, scru- like, we have the original copies and it's written in pencil with loads of scribbles on it because she wrote it like maybe 10 minutes before the poetry competition because she had too many other things to do. So just, I won't be able to deliver it in quite the way that she did, but just imagine like a gleeful, crazed look in the eye of the speaker of the poem. So this is called Christmas Words. Minsel, finsel, (laughs) pencil, tinsel, gulbide, chulfide, mulemide, yuletide. Jolly, Solly, Tolly, Holly. Words that sound like Christmas words, but are not real words at all, make me feel so jolly, like Tolly, Rolly, Zolly, Bolly. You know the right word. Yes, it's Holly. (laughs) 
the wise men must have realized on that special fateful night, the words they first came up with simply were not right. Zesus sounded Z and E. Weezus sounded weird. Mises, like an illness? Definitely not that. The only word was Jesus, the best choice on the night, because Jesus is the truth, the word, and the light. Boom! <laughs> she, is not, she is not religious at all, but I think she just was like, yeah, I'll just go right yeah, on. Yeah, no, she that in. Yeah, she thought it was cool, plus the rhymes worked, so, yes, you know. That was really quite hard to read. I know. That made me feel a bit like... Uh, like an altered state just to give you spoken word. an idea of of what another time she did a one woman performance of the BBC Newsline I forgot about that um, presenters and weather team talking about how there was there wasn't going to be snow at Christmas or something it was going to be that. too warm at Christmas she really inhabited every member of the BBC <gasps> was, Newsline team I, I just couldn't get over it I just thought this is amazing she's she's Mr Calling um would people be really surprised to know that I did a very earnest emotional <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all planned to type here really we need some something serious uh okay. after that sort of zany so the first year i think the the um the idea was like loudon family christmas like it wasn't it was just the theme of poetry the competition yeah. you can do whatever it had to be about loudon family christmas so mine was all about music then so the music of past christmases is vivid in my memory but unlike toys not made to last, the gift of music stayed with me. From vinyl records crackled out, Hey Jude, Get Back and many more. And we would gather to eat and sing and even share a glass or four. Mum dancing aproned in the kitchen, Dad head of the table leading song. His face creased up at higher notes, our voices joining clear and strong. We sang along, we played and laughed, our faces full of simple pleasure. These are the gifts you cannot hold. The memories I will always treasure. Oh, so come see us at Christmas time. We'll not be gathered round the tree. You'll find us lingering at the table, singing along to let it be. And as years pass, our family grows, and some will go and some will stay. So put the Beatles on there, Dad. Here's to a loud and Christmas day. Oh, it makes me cry. Oh, oh my God, it gets me every time. Oh. Can you imagine? So this that was like three years ago that you read that, and mm -hmm. can you imagine the more. response then? Well, da Dad said, "I didn't know it was gonna be. I didn't know it was gonna be serious. <laughs> didn't know it was gonna be emotional." That was his reaction. I have a video of of Grandad doing one of his, and it's all about the kids. Yeah, I've got it there. Oh, what yeah. with the one where he's talking they about help Santa. Oh yeah, that no, that's a different one. Oh right, I've I've got a video of him doing one where he talks about all the kids and he says what the kids have made for gifts or something. Oh, and because you know one of the kids' name is Joni, uh -huh. she said she's made a, a makeshift pony. <laughs> his beak is his his snout is made from bales of hay and his legs from old macaroni <laughs> because those things rhyme. That's really good. I'm not doing it justice. There. Oh, I love that. So I loved the the poetry competition. It was a fun thing for me, but I people's, yeah, it was gorgeous. People's enthusiasm for it um, waned. However, the point of me bringing this up is not just to show off our insane level of familial talent, 
Um, which obviously it was, but okay. it's about making one's own traditions. So, um, and it's a way to help you find joy in these holidays. I was in a taxi the other day and the driver was talking about how in Belfast and Christmas has passed. There was a thing of all the shop windows would have moving displays. So it was a real serious business about shop windows and they would be all, I want to say animatronic. Is that what I mean? So like mechanical puppets of like Christmas figures. Oh, so, yeah. Toys, maybe a train going round. And there was a toy shop called Leisure World, which was like the Hamleys of Belfast. And it was amazing to go at Christmas. Magical, you know, because all the toys would be, there would be planes going round, there would be a train going round. Oh, it was awesome. all decorated for Christmas. But in our family now, especially as the kids get older, we've tried to move away from traditions that involve more toys or more presents. Yeah. Because they don't really need anything. And because honestly, the more you give them, the less they appreciate it. That's true. And so when I say make your own traditions, I really mean that if we could just stop thinking about how things should be and just decided what we would want, whether that's a hike in the mountains or hot chocolate around the fire or um, like a big ayahuasca experience or something. Okay. I mean, I know that went off on one, but I'm just trying to say it's especially okay to be alternative. If you don't feel like these holidays in any way fit into who you are as a person, that's okay. That's totally, I'm big into that idea. Sort of like that new thing that's emerged of buying yourself or others' experiences rather than things mm. or like buying yourself a ticket to something that you wouldn't ordinarily go to mm. or taking somebody to see something that's significant to you rather than being like, here's the gift voucher. Yeah. Thanks, bye. Because that's a bit crap. Like it doesn't leave a lot of emotional impact no um and we talked a lot about excess in terms of things food and substances and there's an excess of stress and in, in terms of things to do just to return again to this meal situation so this is definitely not a simple meal it's not a simple meal um this is a thing a, an in joke in our family that um my dad described going for dinner at somebody's house and said that he did an impression of the guy saying, oh, it'll just be a simple meal. And <laughs> Well, no, he still says that sometimes. Do you know this? Does he? Yeah, sometimes he will say to Granny, uh, "What's what, what are we going to have for the meal tonight? Oh, he always says meal, yeah. Meal. He doesn't say what are we having for tea or what are we having for dinner. It's like, what about the meal later? It yeah. makes it sound like a real event, I a know. mysterious, like a ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> if he's telling me about his day, he'll say... Well, I was making the meal. I was making the busy making the meal. I couldn't be doing anything else. Ah, uh, your mother's doing the meal tonight, so. <laughs> and um, so this is definitely not a simple meal. No, it's a complicated meal. This is a meal. huge meal, which rather than just having like four or five dishes, which is quite a lot anyway. Like if you had, say, you were a meat eater and you had meat and potatoes, and then you had three vegetables. That's quite a lot of preparation. That's a lot of, stuff, that's yeah. a lot of cooking. But it has like twenty different dishes. And the thing about that is it's really hard to organise. Yeah. Um, I always go to my mum's for dinner. I've only ever made Christmas dinner once and I was very stressed about it. Yeah. Um, I was stressed about the roast potatoes coming out right. Yes, that is how, I don't know how to do them. Well, you just need a really hot oven. And I was, I was putting like, I think there might have been five or six at this dinner. And I was putting on enough roast potatoes for probably 15 or 16 people. Good. And my little tiny ordinary oven couldn't cope with it. 
and I was also five months pregnant, so I got mm. really stressed. I I have made Christmas dinner before. I made it last year. Of course year, you did, yeah. But I had COVID and I don't really remember much about it. I right. think I was maybe delirious. Well, whenever I talked to you about that, I was like, do you want just a plate of food delivered so you can just eat your Christmas dinner? And you said, yeah, yeah, that is what we want. And then what I happened? said that to your mum and she said, no, they're going to make their whole Christmas dinner. They've had it all delivered. And I was like... She said to me she wanted a plate taken down. I think I was just saying yes to everything mm-hmm. that anybody asked me because I didn't want anyone to be upset because we were. had ruined Christmas by getting COVID, <laughs> <laughs> basically. So I was just like, yeah, everyone bring everything. It's great. When Hannah so, wasn't there, it meant that our traditional Christmas selfie that we have to do, that we do together, I did it by myself, like pretending, <laughs> putting my arm around an empty space and then looking at the empty space and crying. Yep. And uh, Hannah did a series of I responded in kind selfies as well. Anyway, so this came up when I looked up tips to cope with holiday stress. Please. Okay. And they're all about sort of rewriting what Christmas is supposed to be and minimizing the amount of things that you have to do. So here are some tips that came from the internet. Mm-hmm. Have minimalist Christmas decorations. Easy. I do that anywhere, really. Just have a tree, which I just put up today on the 15th of December. It's so. lovely. Um, cut one dish out of your feast. I think you could do better than that, really. I don't like that one. Why? Because I love all the dishes in the feast. Oh, right, okay. Well, Marty could definitely do without the red cabbage. Actually, yeah, I don't care about that. I've, well, I just... I love all the vegetables in the main thing. I love all the vegetables, but I don't need. Cabbage, I don't, don't need. Any, I could do without any desserts. Oh, okay. I'm too full for desserts, and and Nanny has made two desserts. She's made Christmas pudding and trifle. Do you know I'm making the trifle this year? I think she said Hannah's in charge of the trifle. Who's doing the starter? Anyway, we should, probably shouldn't talk yeah, about this now. It's not planned. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't asked. Is this the material we agreed on? <laughs> okay. Um, replace presents with donations to charities. Yes, you already said that. I love that too. Um, or do something like we do, which is a secret Santa. So there's how many of us? I can't Six. remember. Six of us, and um, we all just buy one present. Yeah, it's way better. And it's so much better. Also, I find it more fun because before the Christmas day, mm. where we all exchange those gifts. We all kind of indirectly and inadvertently find out who everyone has. Like, I yeah. know now who everyone has because yes. today I spoke to the grandparents, your parents, about they they wanted to. <laughs> Nanny was like, so, you, you, Richard, you don't need to worry about it. You've got your Christmas present. And he uh-huh. looked at her with the hangdog face and said, did I get it, though? Did I get it? Oh, and because I, she bought it? No, so that's what I assumed. And I said, well, what did you get, Granda? He said, I've got blank redacted. So he told me who he had. I know who it is anyway, me, but yeah. you know as well. Okay. So he said, my association with buying the Christmas gifts is you go out in the snow and you trek and you walk and you get to the shop and you go, oh, let me in. And then you find the perfect thing and you've saved up all your money and you buy it and you take it home in the snow mm-hmm. and you wrap it up. And that didn't happen. We just walked into shop. I said, yeah, get that. Put it in the basket. And then it was done. That's not real. So I said, you you don't feel like you've bought the Christmas gift 
properly because it was too easy mm-hmm. and you didn't experience hardship. Yeah. And he's and he looked very sort of just hangdog about it. Yes. Well, this is the kind of perversion that we have to deal with and have been dealing with for quite some time now, where he wants to have suffered. Yeah, he didn't suffer and he didn't agonise over the gift. So he feels like he didn't get it. But so he has got a gift. Yes. Like his secret Santa is done. Oh my God. (laughs) I know. It's like, I I kind of organise it. And it's not that I can see who everybody has, but there is only six of us. And two of them are my parents who almost instantly tell me. Yeah. And my mum... I got into her car the other day and she said, you got your secret Santa? And I said, no, I haven't got it yet, but I know what I'm going to get. And she went, I've got blank. It's I got this. Do you think that's all right? I was like, mom, now I know who everyone has through process of elimination. Yeah. I know who everyone has and now I know who has me. <laughs> yeah. And that's just the way it is. I know. That's showbiz. But if you do do that and you're not my dad who some for some reason feels like he needs to trek through the snow to spend his last pennies <laughs> and in some kind of Dickensian situation, <laughs> if you're like, don't feel you have to, you know, self-flagellate to that extent, yeah. you will appreciate doing a Secret Santa because then you don't have to buy five gifts, you have to buy one gift. And you can put some time and thought into it. Yeah. Um, so the next tip is my top tip of all time, maybe. Make time to relax. Yes. And I do think that this is important, like even if it's one day, if you have a lot of stuff to do, if you could have one day where you're doing things that are just designed to nourish you, have a nice walk, be in nature, have a nice meal, like a Simple meal, but one that's very healthy and good for you. Yeah. And, um, you know, watch some TV that you want to watch. Have a bath. Rest your body. Care mm. for your body. You that's know, just really care nice. for yourself. I've, this is something that I've learned in therapy is, you know, we did a whole episode about self-care. And really what the concept is to me now is about offering myself the same care that I would offer to one of my children. Yeah. If they were feeling a little bit low, a little bit tired, a little bit sick, I'd say, oh, darling, come on, and we'll get you a blanket and a nice drink and a wee thing. And what would you like on the TV? And will I bring you something nice and all that kind of stuff? Just uh, offering myself the same thing that I would offer to them, which is As put you your feet up, Emma, you yeah. know, have a nice blanket, wear your jammies all day if you want to. Yes. Um, and number five is go offline. I've literally never done that. <laughs> I can't. I'm terrible Me, for... neither. I've I have never, never done had that. a social media detox. I never... I rarely put my phone down. It's very rarely far yeah. away from me. I have nine social media accounts. I actually deleted one Twitter account and realised now I have nine social media accounts. Okay. So at least you're down from double digits. Yeah. At the very but, least. You know what? I mean, we can make that... A topic of another um, <gasps> episode. Great. Because I have never done that either. And I like to be like, yeah, I'm not that addicted to social media or my phone. But I super am. I know I am, yeah. And it's so addictive. So let's talk about that at some okay, point. Okay, brilliant. She's writing something down. I'm taking a note here. She's taking a note. Um, I'm a big believer in the 10 minutes away from the party thing. Yes, I've noticed that. Have you? In our lives together. All right, okay. <laughs> I was about to say, nobody ever even notices. It's fine, you can just skip off. But just to rec- recharge, 
like do a body scan. Do you mm-hmm. ever just go off and do a body scan? Yes. You know, you kind of have to take it with some uh, caution because if you're like, say if you arrive to a party, you don't really want to be there. You're just there to show your face. Mm-hmm. Then if you get overwhelmed, go off and do a body scan. There is the chance that you will cry mm-hmm. and you'll have to leave the party prematurely. That yeah. has happened to me before. But it's good to just assess how you're feeling. Spend some time in the cool quiet of a bathroom or outside. Get some deep breaths in. Even if it's not the full rest that you're talking about, it will sustain you. Um, I guess the whole point of it is that you do it alone. Mm -hmm. Or ideally others don't then interrogate you upon your return. Yeah. Or they don't notice in the first place, but apparently you do notice. Well, no, I mean, I've noticed you take time out sometimes disappear off upstairs and stuff like my that. my time out breaks are probably more frequent and pronounced than most people's <laughs> time out breaks because i'm on the upper end of the introvert scale mm. so i do need maybe every hour just a little top up of solitude yeah just keep me topped up i do need that as well and i particularly need it at um parties where um it's which don't happen really, haven't happened in a number of years now, but mm. where it's more like a mix of friends and acquaintances and people you don't see very much. That's tough. Um, if it's like my close family that I see all the time, I don't really need, because I'm pretty much being my entirely true self anyway. Mm. Whereas if I'm having to maintain, you know, social niceties and stuff like that I need more of a break yeah from that kind of situation yeah and in even more challenging situations like when I went to that international conference in Oslo and I was entirely by myself and when I arrived for the first day of the conference I was standing in a queue of people and I suddenly realized this is going to be really difficult Mm. and it was very difficult just to cope with being around Complete, almost complete strangers. That can make you feel really discombobulated. Um, only making really polite conversation Ooh. to get by. Um, at one point, there was some people that I knew from Belfast, but they were they were in a group, and I was sort of oh. slightly outside that group. And I'm not very good at inserting myself into groups. No, that's really. a nightmare. I don't know so, anybody's good at that. Um, I, uh, you know, there was a couple of lunches where I was sort of sitting at a you know, a table of strange people who, you know, were from various different countries and were really trying to be polite, but I was kind of like, I just can't wait for this to end <sighs> sort of thing. I hate that. Um, so I do know, I know what you're saying. And this brings me on to our next point, <clears throat> which is forced frivolities. Ugh. Okay, so whether it's fun with your family or parties you have to go to, there's a presumption that you will attend social events and have fun at them. So I can think about many obstacles that make that more difficult. For example, let's say you have social anxiety. So the prospect of going to the work Christmas do, the extended family party, many people might find that a hassle or maybe they don't love all the attendees. But for someone with social anxiety, it becomes a source of huge distress. So social anxiety obviously is a diagnosable anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. Um. And one option is that you just say no. You know, if you really feel a party or a gathering would be unpleasant for you or not be enjoyable, you don't have to force yourself through it. There's a difference between those who feel forced into attending things they don't want to and people who wish they could enjoy things, though. Mm. And so I did suffer from social anxiety whenever I was younger. 
And I wanted to overcome it. You know, I wanted to be able to enjoy things. So social anxiety is very common. It's more common in the young and it can be addressed and tackled through psychological interventions. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. I've never thought about the difference between feeling like you're obliged to be at something mm-hmm. and not enjoying yourself because of that and actually wanting to go to something and but struggling not, because not being able to because you feel like you're being weird. Yeah. I have felt both those and never differentiated them. Mm. And But yes, I'm very much of the school of thought that saying no is totally an option. Yeah. And I've actually, I'm so much on that scale that I have gotten into trouble. Oh, the dog. <laughs> so just a small disclaimer that noises that you hear, scraping, whimpering, daftness are coming from the dog. And we apologize in advance for that. So saying no, Hansi. Saying no. I have, I'm so comfortable with saying no to social engagements that mm. I have gotten to trouble with several of my close friends because <laughs> they're like, you just think it's fine to just like disappear and just not talk to us. Mm. And I'm like, yes, I do think that's fine. Thank mm. you very much. But actually, it's not fine if you hurt other people. But if you're polite about it and you do it in a timely fashion, mm. which I sometimes haven't done, saying no is an underused and undervalued option. I think the thing is people don't want to appear rude or to be a dick. Sure. Honestly, I can think of so many times when I knew I didn't want to go to something, I felt obliged and went anyway, and now I have lasting memories of being the most awkward person at a party. Sure. And I remember those more than the times when I was like, do you know what, I'm just not going to go. Sorry, I'm not going to make it. Yes. Well, I think the thing is is that most of the time the... and anticipation of how bad this social event will be is usually less bad than it is. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I, I feel like I, I, all of us have that, um, you know, unfortunate regret of being the most awkward person at the party or I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of our listeners do that thing where they replay conversations that they wish they had conducted differently in their oh, head. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, regularly do that. I mean, we should all try and avoid that, though, because yeah, it it's not really helpful. Help anyone, it's yeah. just it's just beating yourself up for for no reason really at all. Um, and I did want to say that one of the things that you come across when you're looking into how people struggle over the holidays is loneliness. Mm. Um, and this is the sort of thing I think it can be hard to think about. Because I think it makes your heart hurt to think of people feeling lonely. Yeah. And we have very much focused in the last episode and this episode on difficulties and tensions with others. Because I think that's our experience. That's our main lived experience. But for other people, the difficulty can be the opposite. So if you're lonely this year or in general, think about reaching out to an organisation if you want to make a social connection. I think if you've had a loss as well, this will be a difficult time. We know it, we feel it, but it is just a day. It will pass and things will get easier. Actually, Sarah Millican, the comedian, publicised recently on Twitter that if you're lonely on Christmas or if you're alone, um, they are having a sort of keep each other company thing Mm -hmm. using the hashtag join in. So that's the hash key. And then capital J, O I N, capital I N. <laughs> She's looking at me like, why are you spelling this? I don't think you need to spell 
Well, it's just if people just type join in without those capitals. The <laughs> I think if you start to type I it know in Twitter, our it listeners, comes up. yeah, our listeners are almost exclusively between the ages of 25 and 35. So I don't know who I'm explaining the hashtag to. Press the star key for more options. <laughs> I'm messing, sorry. No, that's okay. Um, I think there's many more people than usual who are alone this Christmas and probably last Christmas because the travel restrictions meant that people yeah. couldn't go and join their family. Maybe some people did, some people didn't, but a lot of people were you know, isolating by themselves. So some things you can do if you feel like uh, you don't know how to cope with being alone. So ask yourself, what would I do if I did know how to cope? So it's like that thing of giving advice to somebody else. So sometimes when you feel you don't know what to do, well, what would you tell somebody else? Mm. So it's putting yourself, well, what would I do if I did know how to cope? Because you have more power over your thoughts and how they make you feel than you think, I think, often. Um, you could perhaps volunteer for a charity organisation who support others at Christmas, such as homeless people. Um, maybe you turn down an invitation because you didn't want to impose or for some other reason. It's all right to change your mind and accept that invitation now. Um, have a friend Christmas, you know, like friends, Friendsgiving or whatever that thing yeah. is. There are cafes as well who have like an open table Thing, That's right, yeah. Which is really nice. That's quite common now. Celebrate online with people. Um, so a lot of people are doing that kind of thing recently. Maybe stay in work if you enjoy your job or if others need time off, you could volunteer to cover shifts, um, enabling others to take time off. You'd be a total hero for that. A hero move, yeah. Um, or just enjoy the solitude. Plan the day for yourself. You are important and sometimes our best company is ourselves. Yeah. Get some nice food, cook up a storm, have some very favourite or very expensive things you wouldn't ordinarily have. Have some lobster and some bloody <laughs> champagne. You deserve it. And finally, if you're struggling to cope this Christmas, even if it's on Christmas Day, reach out. Call a friend, relative or helpline. They are open. And this is so important. Call someone, especially if you're feeling hopeless, because there is hope. And there are better days ahead. And I just wanted to say that because I know, you know, we're talking about difficulties with families and we're laughing and joking and talking about the struggles. And some people are really struggling mm, and it's important to acknowledge that. Alone. Yeah. Yeah. And if you know someone who is also, you know, reach out to them, mm. give them some resources or invite them for dinner. Yeah. It's that thing of like, think of the most vulnerable person, you know, and vote in their interests. Yes, absolutely. This still applies. Like, think of the most vulnerable person you know and invite them to Christmas dinner mm. or your equivalent non-denominational. Yeah. However, for many of us, the challenge still lies around tensions with family members, <laughs> even those you love. Even if you're close to your family, it's likely that they also do your head in. Yep. So we talked about regression, not last episode, but the one before. Do you remember Your when we were talking about episode? endings? Yeah. yeah. So sometimes you can experience regression to an earlier emotional state. And I compared that with finding yourself behaving like a teenager at your family dinner table. Mm -hmm. I have unfortunately too many memories about doing that myself. But I wanted to talk a little bit about why people can feel so triggered by their family members whenever they have a get together with them. So there could be many factors that cause you to feel 
unpleasant when you're around family. But one may be that it's triggering your childhood wounds. Mm-hmm. So Freud often talked about the primal wound. And this is characterized as a big attachment wound that stems from some way in which your primary caregivers let you down. And how we might think about this is everyone probably has some schemas from childhood. Uh-huh. Schemas. schemas again that could be thought of as childhood wounds. So maybe your parents weren't very good at praise. Um, or maybe you felt they gave more attention to another sibling. Maybe you were the neglected middle child. Maybe they made mistakes that weren't even that su- subtle. Maybe they told you you were stupid or isolated you when you were naughty or something like that. Um, and usually most people over the years accept that these things happened because their parents didn't know any better and the relationship persists. And while it might not be hugely satisfying and not super close, or you find yourself fighting a lot, you do still have a relationship. Then you find yourself at a big family dinner and the pressure is on and people are drinking and you wonder why either at that time or later feel really bad. Yeah. You know, maybe you snap at somebody or you blow up and you don't really understand why. Mm -hmm. And the reason is unresolved childhood wounds pretty much. So guess what, Hannah? Yeah. This is the part where I say therapy could help with that. So crazy you should mention therapy because this is the stuff that a lot of my therapy deals with, mm. which is um, understanding why certain things that should be normal and fine feel so terrible for me sometimes or why I suddenly have an extremely disproportionate reaction Mm. to something that everyone else is like, what? It seems okay. So this is very relevant. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of those things is, uh, for me, understanding why sometimes I get a big, weird, sad Mm -hmm. after having spent time with family. Mm -hmm. And it's not even really about like going back and finding one event no one thing that was bad or one thing that somebody said one time it's not really about that it's kind of just about being like well there's probably something there Mm. but let me notice like several stages so what's happening in your body Mm -hmm. whenever you get the bad feeling thinking back if you can to what happened directly before that Mm -hmm. and then noticing what happens in your body after an event so this could be like something quite innocuous like say a family dinner is a really good example because those can be quite fraught there's a lot going on they're very fraught in our family yeah they're extremely fraught i mean if anybody out there is having chill family dinners what is your secret because we we don't want to know i mean i wouldn't change it because i think we have a very fun brand of chaos Mm. but you know i think there are times when everyone gets a bit spicy and yeah that's just the way of it um but for me the kind of uh, sort of aftercare element of it is to be like, okay, why did I feel so upset when such and such said this? Or why did that make me annoyed? Or why did I feel like I wanted to leave the table at that point? And it's not about then texting the person and being like, you really annoyed me at dinner when you said that. Mm. Or like, the way you passed me the cabbage was pass ag and Mm. we need to talk about it. It's about being like, how can I deal with that with myself mm-hmm. and what patterns am I am I feeling in myself mm-hmm. and what's being kicked up yeah. in my sort of emotional sandstorm. Mm-hmm. That's not an official term. I've just made that up. No, but I think that's, it's 
key to sort of understand. And I think a lot of people just take it for granted. They think, why did I react like that? And then, you know, life moves on and they and they don't really consider it. I think when you've engaged in therapy or you're in this area, arena of work or whatever, um, you do think about these things. And so you recognize, well, actually, there are reasons for this. What is that book that I asked you earlier? Did you have because I want to own a copy of it? Oh, uh, it didn't start with you. It didn't start with you. Um, but this really is one of those books that um, it's about inherited family trauma and how it shapes who we are. Mark Wolin. No, Mark Wolin. Wolin? Wolin, yeah. So um, it's something to think about, go to therapy about. Um, it's like whenever we thought, let's do something about why the holidays were so stressful. I really did not understand the can of worms that I was opening because we have barely scratched the surface. It's a real worm basket. Of this whole thing. Also, the good thing about doing that work with yourself is that it gives you more empathy for people around you Mm. who you kind of go, whoa, they're acting in a disproportionate way. Then you kind of don't just go, well, fuck them. They're being mental. You kind of go, well, maybe that's hard for them. And it gives you a little bit of an insight into other people's things because, you know, you can almost guarantee that you're not the only one dealing with some weird shit that's being no, kicked up. you're definitely not. And I think that is that we all have those. And they are, even if you, you know, I spent the first, I would say, 25 years of my life being like I had a perfect, idyllic childhood, perfect upbringing, nothing was out of place, one iota. And then... Spent the next maybe 10 years thinking, why did I do this or think this about myself? And then I then I started into some, you know, good therapy and started to work it out. Mm. You know, well, you know, you needed this and you got this. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that that people are at fault or wrong or terrible or anything else. It's just that we're all managing and none of us are experts in life and so we make mistakes all the time absolutely and those mistakes impact others and you know we may not mean to to do that and often on many occasions so the big thing I wanted to talk about about this holiday Hannah yes is a little bugbear that I have about holidays in general okay this particular time of the year and I think I have mentioned this before in, in this podcast, but we have moved away from the real point of the winter holiday. Jesus. No. <laughs> so you know I'm very interested in the old pagan holidays. Oh, yeah. Particularly sure. here in Ireland. So we had Samhain and we were talking about that, which is the festival which ushers in the winter season and the winter solstice. And so the winter solstice, I'm going to read you a little bit here from our old friend Wikipedia. Yay. Um. So the winter solstice was immensely important because the people were economically dependent on monitoring the progress of the seasons. Starvation was common during the first months of the winter, so January to April in the Northern Hemisphere or July to October in the Southern Hemisphere, also known as the famine months. In temperate climates, the midwinter festival was the last feast celebration before deep winter began. So most cattle were slaughtered so they would not have to be fed during winter and it was almost the only time of the year when a plentiful supply of fresh meat was available. 
and the majority of wine and beer made during the year was finely fermented and ready for drinking at this time. Cool. So the, as usual, the origins of this holiday come from our normal interaction with the natural world. Yeah. Which is when you look at all of the festivals that we have, they're all to do with our interaction with the natural world and how we would have had to monitor it or we would have had to use crops at certain times and things like that. Um, and so I think we talked about this before, but the whole point of the darker season of winter was a period of slowing down and rest and reflection. And I think that this is the key, that our modern way of celebrating these situations doesn't satisfy that need that the ancient festivals did. Mm. So those periods of rest and reflection would have certainly been punctuated with a feast, but that wouldn't have included many of the added extra things that we have, which all indicate excess rather than rest and reflection, extra lights, extra sparkle, extra spending. I think we've travelled very far in the opposite direction. So there's a mismatch between the inherent need, potentially the evolutionary need, that those ancient festivals often reflect, and the way in which we spend our time in the modern world. Well, well, well. Oh. That is very... You have just taken it right apart there. Ah, yes. With your keen scientist's eye. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very true. I love the, the idea of like the rest and reflection being punctuated with a feast. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Yeah. That's, well, that's gorgeous. I do think the natural tug is to go inwards, to yeah. quiet. And, and, and that's what I feel that draw to myself, that draw towards stillness. And yet there's all these other pressures. And I think... People can be left feeling more isolated by the emphasis on big festive families with roaring fires. Mm. That can make winter seem cruel, cold and long and dark. But the original sense of this season was a kind season. It was a pause. It was a chance to cosy up quietly in our homes, spending more time in quiet solitude. Mm. You know, we talked about this before when we were talking about um, seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. And I mean, it... um it makes a lot of sense as to why we find the current way that we celebrate Christmas particularly exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's not even just a sort of, I talk about this in therapy a lot, where there's different types of tiredness. Mm-hmm. There's the good tiredness that you get when you've been for a big walk. Yeah, I love that go, tiredness. Oh, great, that was a lovely day, you know. Um, and then the rest that you have afterwards is rewarding. But then there's an agitated tiredness. Yeah. And I think that that's what we all feel in the, you know, the 26th to the 2nd of January period. Yeah. Where we're overfed, Mm -hmm. restless, but exhausted. We feel obliged to spend time around family, but we've spent too much time with them. Yeah. We need to get alone. We need to be alone. We need to get away from each other. We need to like, I don't want to use the word detox because I think it's bullshit, but have some sort of a, um, like a a period of reflection. Mm -hmm. And we don't get that. We don't don't really let ourselves have that because it seems selfish Mm -hmm. or something in the context of the season. I know. But, um, I mean, everything that you've just said there would directly explain why we have that sensation. Yeah, no, I think it's something that we need. And I do think there's a great, there's a movement. A lot of people want to try and go back to those things. You know, what we think of as Christmas is all really the ancient Druidic festival of, of Yule. Yeah. So like the Christmas tree that I'm gesturing towards in this living room, Hannah. It's beautiful, you actually. listeners can't see my gestures, but believe me, there was a gesture there. <laughs> um, that is, I'm 
honouring the tree god or the oak god by yeah. bringing wood into the house, by bringing um, evergreen stuff into the house. Um, wreaths, holly, mistletoe, all of that is from the Druidic Festival of Yule. All nice. of that is, yeah. So, you know, if anybody's interested in that type of thing, when you start to go back to it, you, there's a, a sort of trigger happens where you start to feel that you refined meaning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it is different for people who celebrate Christmas in a Christian way, like our sister-in-law, who is a Church of England, she's canon chancellor, in fact, in Liverpool Cathedral. Yep. Um, this is a very special time of the year for her in her work, and it's very meaningful for her yeah, and the people who are with her in that thing. I don't have that. But I respect that other people do and that it has a whole other set of meaning for for them. Well, the the common thing in both of those things that you've mentioned, so her sort of religious and spiritual life and this festival of Yule, Mm -hmm. the thing that I see in in common between the two of them is the sense of community Mm. and celebration of like abundant resource. Mm. So they're not so different. No, no, they're not at all, of course. And I mean, that's why the Christian festival was put into this festival because they, you know, they thought that it would work quite well mm. that time of the year. Um, and I don't really know how to draw this to a close, Hannah. Nor I. Shall we just talk about the problem <laughs> that we've been sent in? I think we've completely kind of wiped <laughs> ourselves out with it. Like, there's there's 20 million other things that we could yeah. say, but we've been talking for two hours. To so. summarise, you're not... There's nothing wrong with you if you feel stressed by Christmas. It's expected to be stressed by Christmas. You don't have to eat as much as you can possibly eat. Sometimes that's not Try not to do that. I don't think it's a good idea. But also, you can also do whatever you want. I think just find a way to do what makes you feel good. Yeah. Do what you want to do. Go in and stand in in the bathroom, even though you don't need to go to the toilet for 10 minutes. Yes. That's absolutely fine. Whatever it takes, just don't feel like you're you're the one that's in the wrong feel like you just need a different thing from this holiday than it is is actually given you it's not the be all and end all do you want to read the the question yes well i have read it before and as we were talking i realized that we were maybe covering some points about this i haven't read it writer in her i deliberately didn't read it even though i have it here. well i will read it to you okay okay so thank you for making this podcast Aww. Aww. I have been hooked since the start. Mm. I wanted to write in when I heard at the end of the last episode you were going to do an episode about the holiday season. My problem is that I dread big gatherings and parties. I don't think I'm shy, but I prefer smaller groups. My family tends to get together in a huge group with extended family, cousins and uncles and aunties. I usually manage to get through it okay, but then afterwards can't stop thinking about what I said and did and the Mm. annoying or problematic comments that were made to me. I always feel I have to go, but honestly, I think it affects my mental health for a while afterwards. Any advice? G, they, them. Aww. So thank you for giving us your pronouns because we sometimes have a problem with that. Yeah. And add in pronouns that do not exist and so on. Well, thank you, friend. And hello, we should be friends. (laughs) Um, Because I uh, feel a lot of that that you said. We've identified with a lot of that, I think, as as we've talked. Yeah. 
usually manage to get through it okay, but afterwards cannot stop thinking about what I said. Oof. Mm. Yes, I have done it. Um, that is so tough because you're really, you're making the effort and using your strength to go to those things because you don't want to be an outsider or thought of badly or to let people down. Um, and you've correctly identified that it it doesn't make you feel great afterwards. No. So you're kind of doing a lot already. I think you should recognize that. You're doing quite a good job. Yeah. I mean, we did mention earlier that there is an option available to you and that's to say no. And, you know, sometimes the balance of these things is how good is this making me feel versus how bad is this making me feel? Mm -hmm. So, yes, we all have obligations. We all have duty. It would make me feel worse not to go, for example, to something that would upset my mum if I didn't go to. So that's, you know, it would make me feel worse. Yeah. Um, There's a quote that's sitting somewhere on this table, which is about more serious things than this, but it, it bears true in this. And it's about life is about a choice between what hurts and what hurts less and you'll always choose what hurts less and so to a certain extent if you feel it is affecting your mental health for a while afterwards it may be that you can find a way to say no to one some or maybe all of these gatherings the other thing that we didn't say about the saying no was covid is a good excuse now yeah i mean it's a legitimate excuse definitely um, because none of us really know how safe anything is. Yeah, if you don't um, feel comfortable still or... I have a really good internet resource to recommend for this. Okay. This is a therapist who I follow on um, Instagram and her whole, I think she's just recently released a book, but her whole um, focus is on boundaries oh. and how to say no to things and different phrases that you can use that aren't as harsh as no Mm. which I was reading the other day and I was like I'm gonna write some of this down because this (laughs) is gold yeah her name is Nedra Glover Tawab therapist cool therapist is not her name that's just her title (laughs) sorry um she has loads of amazing stuff and specifically recently well I think she's she works in America and she is American um recently she was putting up stuff about like Thanksgiving but I think a lot of the the messages are the same Mm -hmm. so it's like how to turn down an invitation or how to um, protect your time during the holiday season. And a lot of them were like, I'll come, but I won't drink. And if this is brought up, I'll leave. (gasps) That's brilliant. Like quite specific, (sighs) getting quite specific with the boundaries. Because I think it's it's much easier to say, just put some boundaries in place, you'll be fine. Uh That is not as easy. I mean... No, you need to be specific about what does that look like. That looks like, um, what from what I've seen from this lady's stuff, that looks like identifying what it is that you are not happy with, Mm -hmm. naming it to yourself, and then saying it in a way that is palatable and that the other person can't really argue with Mm -hmm. and if they do argue you just say the same thing again yes don't try to justify anything more I was reading her stuff the other day and being like wow okay okay I don't need to profusely apologize for not wanting to go to xyz no or saying um yes I'll come but I have to leave at a certain time because I have work tomorrow or something like that things that become I think if they're not rehearsed Mm -hmm. or you don't set them out with yourself beforehand they become a big massive issue and you're like how am I gonna how am I gonna broach this the fact that I need to leave at a certain time people are going to be annoyed yeah need to I think there's a lot to be said for rehearsal of oh, that definitely, kind of thing yeah and but also just you know the, this person has said 
Um, I dread big gatherings and parties. I don't think I'm shy, but I prefer smaller groups. And we've talked about how, you know, that is okay. There's nothing wrong with you. I am a bit concerned, though, that we have tended towards how can you fix having tensions with people and how can you change yourself and how can you go to therapy so that you can cope with this thing? But actually, they have said here, the annoying or problematic comments that were made to me. Mm. And there are, of course, situations where you are absolutely not the problem. And it may be that those people are no longer really worthy of your time or they're no longer going to be tolerable to you. And that is not your problem. Some people outgrow other people and that is just, you know, the way it is. And it's it's also, I mean, I think if you're experiencing that, especially with family, you do have to, there's sort of drawing a line in the sand or something mm-hmm. where you're like, they can't really deal with this aspect of me. I can't really deal with their intolerance. Mm. We just have to coexist in this brief space mm-hmm. at a family gathering once a year. And if you can do that, well, you can probably I mean, let that's... some stuff go and they can think whatever they want and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I just think that that's incredible. If you can get away with it without it uh, triggering your childhood wounds, you know, well, triggering I mean, your your schema that says you're not acceptable in some way. Do you know what thing. I mean? So if you feel that that is what's happening to you, know that it is okay to say no. It is okay to say, I won't go to the big family gathering if Uncle Bobby is there. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, or whatever it is, if there's if there's certain circumstances that you're beyond tolerating. Yeah. Then that is OK. And, you know, if you need support or strength with that, sometimes I'm going to say it, but going to therapy can allow <laughs> you to do some of those rehearsals and things that Hannah's talking about. That can be a really good place to do it or do it with a friend, you that's know, directly where with a friend. I've, well, that's directly where I've got that from is practicing Mm -hmm. difficult interactions or potential triggering interactions I practice them in therapy Mm -hmm. talking I did do the classic talk to the chair as if it were such and such thing and you feel like a fucking clown (laughs) the whole time and it's mortifying but then when you have to do it in real life you're not tongue-tied yeah you suddenly go oh actually I've done this before Mm -hmm. I am gonna say my one thing that I say all the time on this Mm. and in real life Nobody is as worried about what you're doing as they are about what they're doing. Yes. They are mostly worried that they're, you know, they've got visible panty line or that they've got something in their teeth or that their voice cracked when they were talking to that person earlier or Mm -hmm. there was an awkward bathroom moment. Mm -hmm. And just everybody is more worried about their shit. I think 100%. You know, a lot of people think, I've heard a lot of feedback about myself from people, which has been like that. I remember one person met me one time and they said you were so laid back that when I met you I instantly felt like I was the most tense and, and you know crazy person and nervous and whatever and people have said to me oh you're really confident you're really that I I feel socially awkward all the time this is so funny because I get that as well people say oh you seem really confident you're so and laid chilled back. out and yeah. laid back and I'm like what the fuck I know yeah we're we're we come across as chilled and laid back and actually are super intense anxious people we literally have a podcast about therapy like <laughs> could not be less chill we're so flattered that people think we're chill 
But that is only to say that um, everybody, everybody's struggling, really. So in terms of parties and, and not, you know, I mean, I just don't like the, thing, the thought of people being problematic to you, you know, because I feel like that's not your fault. That's somebody doing something to you. That's rude. And it's rude and unacceptable. But um, in terms of parties and things, if you feel, you know, that larger gatherings are not for you, so be it. So be it. Um, G, our writer in her, thank you for writing in. Yes, thank and you. You are doing a very brave thing, I think, in just being yourself. And, and thanks for loving the podcast. That's very nice. We love you too. Yeah. And you can do it. And if you don't do it, that's also fine. Yeah. Um, please do keep uh, writing in and um, let us know what you think. And you know, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Tell the world, baby. Tell an enemy. Okay, thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, thanks therapy. therapy. There could be many fa- many fathers. How Freudian is that? Oh, the dog. <laughs> Behave yourself. <laughs> Over the top silliness. That's crazy stuff. That's crazy stuff. Oh, I stuff. wish you could see him. He's so hilarious and cute oh and God. ridiculous. Okay, we'll just see how he behaves. Mm.